1: Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television.
2: Sonny and Cher.
1: No, you're so off point. <laughs> For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car.
2: But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey.
1: No, we're not.
2: And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like
1: it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God.
2: Uh, spoiler!
1: Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler. But hey, spoilers are fair game here.
2: Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there.
1: Okay, you know, we're running out of time.
2: Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now.
1: Hey, everybody, I'm Rob Benedict.
2: And I'm Richard Spate. And we
1: are now on Season 2 episode one of Supernatural.
2: That's right, Robbie. Some people said we'd never make it through season one. Those people, those naysayers were wrong.
1: Yeah, screw them. We're here. We're here. And uh, the episode we're talking about is an epic episode called In My Time of Dying. Yeah, man. Which is also the name of a Led Zeppelin song. Yeah, man. And uh, hey, before we get into this, I just want to say, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Spotify.
2: Yeah, you got to do that, guys.
1: I I'd, I'd highly recommend giving us five stars. It's the equivalent of two full beards.
2: Exactly. So if you only know the beard metric that we use, it's five stars in the regular world.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So we're you know help us build the audience for the podcast. Share the clips that uh, we're posting uh, to Instagram and Twitter, and help get the word out.
2: Yeah, get the word out, everybody,
1: and let them know. I mean, this is a great. This is a great. Going to be a great episode. We've got two two guests in this episode that are pr- pretty great. And you're going to want to hear it, but uh, we're not going to tell you yet. We're going to get to that later. First, let's get into the, what this episode was about. So after the car crash, remember at the end of last season, we ended with a car crash.
2: That was a brutal car crash, Robbie.
1: It was a brutal car crash, and it did damage to everybody in the car.
2: And the car. The car did not fare well.
1: No, not at all. Poor baby. Sam, it turns out, is the only one still conscious.
2: You know, if somebody didn't know the car was called baby, it would just sound like you're babying the car. Oh, poor baby. Poor but baby. the truth is... You know, the car really is called baby, so you're actually not baby in the car at all.
1: No, I'm I'm really just calling the car by its proper name. So uh, Sam's the only one who's still conscious. The possessed truck driver wants to finish them off, but Sam scares him away with the cold. Yeah. So paramedics arrive and rush the three Winchester men to the hospital. Dean wakes up and leaves his bed, only to discover that his body is still there in a coma.
2: What? Yeah, yep. Oh, man.
1: Hanging on for dear life. John and Sam fight because john seems more concerned about the cult than he does about dean i tell you that
2: john and sam they fight a lot you know what i mean they do
1: fight they do fight that's their relationship well john sends him to bobby's to get some ingredients for a spell bobby seems surprised about the items john is asking for sam confronts john about the spell it isn't a protection spell it's a spell to summon a demon dean's spirit is able to stop the fight by knocking over a glass it like ghost it's
2: like the movie Ghost Rich He even makes a ghost joke a little Patrick Swayze reference
1: Yeah a little Swayze reference yeah that's right Anyway from from his ghostly spirit he's able to will a glass to fall over And so Dean's spirit is then summoned back to his body where he meets a reaper in the form of a young woman named Tessima We don't know at first that she's a reaper We just think she's another person struggling with uh dying Yeah And then she explains that he must let go and come with her. Otherwise, he'll become an angry spirit. I think he's already
2: an angry spirit. I think she is a day late and a dollar short on that note.
1: That's true. Uh, (laughs) John goes forward with his plan and summons the yellow-eyed demon. John wants to make a deal. The cult for Dean's life. Old Yellow Eyes wants to sweeten the pot and ask for John's life. Yellow Eyes possesses Tessa, and she's not happy about that. He restores Dean's life. Then Dean wakes up and has no memory of his out-of-body experience. Sam and John once again argue...
2: No shocker there. Those two, good Lord. (laughs) Therapy.
1: John tells him he's sick of arguing. He asks Sam to get him some coffee. While Sam's gone, John tells Dean how proud he is of him. He's sorry for making Dean grow up so fast and to keep an eye on Sam. John whispers something to Dean that we don't hear. Then he leaves the room and puts the gun down. Sam returns to find John's dead body. Well, uh, yeah, Um, I, uh, I really like this episode. I, you know, a lot of people have been saying, you know, just wait, it gets better and better. I already, I feel like it's, it's, look, I love season one. I love the monster of the week. I've said that many times. Uh, Now we're starting to get get into sort of the meat of who these guys are and the through line of the show. And uh, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought they all did a great job and it was a great, great story. (laughs)
2: I'm not a big fan of the father-son dynamics uh that, that dot through the show. And I don't think uh Jared Jensen or Jeffrey do a good job uh executing those dynamics. I think it's flawed from the get-go, and I I just don't think it works. I don't think it's gonna well, last.
1: Thanks for joining us, everybody.
2: <laughs> I'm kidding, man. They're fantastic. I mean, it's just such good theater watching these guys do what they do. I, yeah. I love I think I think the script is elevated writing by Kripke. Very, mm-hmm. very mature father son relationship issues being explored mm-hmm. um and you know Kripke wasn't even a father then so this is really speaks to his yeah tapping into uh whatever his relationships were with his you know, yeah male role models as a kid it's really it's really a special episode in that regard i I just think it's really awesome really well done yeah. powerful yes. emotional all those things
1: full well groomed beer for me beard
2: and beer for me <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rate this one uh, full bushy martini. No, uh, yeah, a, uh, <laughs> an av- a f- very, very full, uh, healthy beard.
1: Yeah. Um, also, uh, another uh, sort of bonus for me is that uh, Lindsay McKeon, I did uh, oh, boy, an early... we go. I did an early convention in England with her and the band, and uh, the band and I spent a day in London with her, and she was uh, lovely.
2: She and is awesome. She is awesome. I just thought you were going to do your whole she's lovely bit. Well,
1: no, I'm actually, I, I am doing that, but I really just mean that she was a lovely person, and we, we, she was <laughs> cool with the band, and we, we hung out with her in London, and I never saw her again after that
2: convention. Um, but what? You've never what? seen her since? No. I've seen her at a couple of conventions. Uh, she Well, who do you do to you? I guess they're just very exclusive conventions. I, I, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, um, she's awesome in the show and, and a really, really cool person to boot.
1: Yeah, and I didn't know when to you know, it's always a, a, a pleasant surprise when some of the, the the people I've done conventions with pop up on the show when I you know, I don't quite know who they play. So right. that was that was fun to see. And I never i never met Frederick. Is it Lane? Lane? You've
2: never Fre- Lane, Frederick Lane. You've never met Frederick Lane.
1: No, man, I no. I, have not, what? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. Back
2: at early conventions, Freddie and I played guitar together on stage. Union,
1: you mm-hmm, mm-hmm, guitar together. I mean, what do you want?
2: They're they're considered by some the best cons, uh, ever.
1: <laughs> um, well, listen, guys, we've got a treat for you. We've got a young actor named Jensen Ackles. And another young actor named Jeffrey Dean Morgan here to talk with us. Now, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, of course, plays John Winchester. And you've seen him in a ton of things, Uh, you know, Walking Dead and Grey's Anatomy. You'll see him in Isle of the Dead in 2023. Jensen Ackles, of course, plays Dean Winchester. Um, You can currently see him on The Boys.
2: And he's an executive producer on the new prequel, The Winchesters.
1: That is correct. And they're good buddies of ours. Please give it up for Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Jensen Ackles. Well, thanks for doing this, guys. I'm so glad we could pull it off.
2: It was easy to schedule, so it's been no big deal. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. We haven't haven't rescheduled this 30 times. I got like five (laughs) links. Um, Yeah, yeah, we can dive right into this,
3: but uh, I'll have you know, before we start this, that I actually watched it today. Did you?
4: So did I. I Oh, man. Yeah. Because I I literally just finished, and I was going to be like, I'm going to be so Johnny on the spot Ah. with every reference.
3: I would have never known either. I'm so glad I watched it. And then I watched it, and then I went back and watched the season finale, because I was like, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So what are your thoughts, like having just watched it? What are your... Well,
3: I mean, Benson watched it too, so he kind of ruined my... I thought I was the only one <laughs> to do <lose, you> know? stuff.
4: <laughs> well, to be fair, I just got of skated through to like the greatest hits. I-, I literally was a minute or two late to the Zoom just now, because I was watching a coffee cup land four times in a row. That's yeah, hilarious.
2: I'm not I'm not sure that's, we should be disappointed one in each thing other. I
4: remember, by the way.
2: That was Yeah, the, I had no idea you were referencing either. You're like, I remember the coffee cup. I'm like, what that in was God's name is he thing talking I heard about. Because
3: it was so you know, you've been on the set before. There's a lot of laughing. And we were so impressed with the coffee cup that we just kind of didn't want to do the rest of the scene
4: because it was sort of but yeah look at the coffee cup
1: yeah, yeah yeah And manners her
4: Manor shot it in slow-mo it would only happen one time and that's that's become the that's i mean i don't even know the name of the episode it's the, just it's the coffee cup episode
1: so I'm pretty sure
3: it's
4: called the coffee I, I think cup.
3: people do that stuff with like the water bottles and right to, right yeah, yeah that
4: all stems from that's coffee. right kind of like he was way ahead of his time when that it one time and
3: and now people just try to replicate it with things that won't spill coffee. So now,
1: wait a minute. That was, there was a, that was one take.
3: Well, it was, it was maybe the second or third take. I can't remember, but there was a burst of very big excitement when they said cut. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like that
1: that was (laughs) awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And you got, you got to keep in mind too, that's not a normal height. It's dropping from. That's like shack height. You know what I mean? Like right, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like us dropping it from a six-foot ladder. Yeah, you could cut to people's POV looking at office windows and that cup's going by. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> that. Costing like, a lot of real estate. Uh, what else has stood out? You know
3: what else I thought about was uh, Kim Manners. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, and he directed the last one and this one. Okay. And I think that was the that was my first big my big first takeaway from those two episodes yeah. and the one especially was Kim.
2: What do you call, what do you recall about working with him specifically? Uh, I remember he was on my side
3: and, and I was uh, a pain in the ass then and and he was really on my side. No, you, I, were, you weren't. Your schedule was, a, was, a pain. Schedule. was a pain in the ass, but yeah. I'll never forget him uh, wanting to show us how to do stunts. He, he would just, like, do a forward roll on a sidewalk.
4: Like, mm-hmm. I, can't
3: you do something like this? And, yeah, you know,
4: I, I don't know how old he was at the time, but he... 170.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Been uh, diving, rolling on sidewalks, but he had so much energy. And, I mean, he directed, I think, about every big episode I did. Uh, Bob did one or two, um, but Kim did the majority of, like, the six or seven I did that first season. And, and certainly wow. that
1: one. And then would that have been the last time you saw him?
3: It might. No, I came back and did. I don't remember that episode. You remember Jensen, where I, it was like in a graveyard on a set, and the green light
4: came. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was the the all hell break loose. All hell breaks loose. Did uh, he direct when, that? Yeah, that was when. Um, yeah, he was directing that. That was when Dean shoots Yellow Eyes. When Fred Lane, you appear behind Fred Lane and grab grab him holding him yep. so that Dean can get a shot off. That's right. Wow.
2: Spoiler yeah. alert. You know, there's some, uh, <laughs> spoiler t- alert. talking about it being a Kim Manners episode and this going back, you know, we're shooting on film back then. This is not digital. This there's a couple bad. of shots yeah. in there that are, there's a shot specifically that is really, really cool. And Ackles, it's your, it's a shot that involves you and Padalecki. It's when you're first coming to in the hospital, you're standing in the hospital, you're looking out at Padalecki. Padalecki comes around, mm-hmm. kind of steps forward, and then you're out of focus behind him. And then you move off, and we boom down, and it's you in the hospital bed? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a
3: cool shot. That was yeah. a great
2: shot. but yeah. I, And it pre, predates digital. Was that a re- repetitive motion dolly move, or what was that?
4: No, they. I, I, I think they... I believe that yeah, it was a repetitive. I think it was a split screen thing to where they they shot it once. They shot the plate. You know, it was it, it was an old school vis effect shot. It okay, wasn't so, like so I, it wasn't like I quickly dove into the bed and put the no. I
2: know I that hooked everything up.
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> there I, they yeah, just moved, killed the right, myth for right, me. Everything. I thought for sure that's what happened.
2: No, I just like because I <laughs> couldn't figure out on my fa- my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so they did the plate of you in the bed on on its own without. Without Jared I, I think without so. You. I think, I, I can't think of another way that
4: that would, that would actually. I think so too. I, 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 a really I elegant it, shot. I, I want to say that
3: we got an idea of exactly what that shot was going to be on the day. Um, and it was that, it, it's exactly how they shot it. He <laughs> it's cool. There. I was just around when you were laying in the hospital bed making fun of you. I, I can't remember. <laughs> but what's going on?
1: Jeff, do you um, remember what you whispered to Jensen when you whispered in his ear?
3: I remember the first three times I whispered absolute bullshit. I, you know, I told him that he was a shitty actor or, or, <laughs> or whatever it was, because nobody told me what the was going on with the story. I didn't. Right. And then Kim pulled me aside and was like, OK, this time tell him, you know, that uh, uh, Jared's not as." real brother and he's like and just improv just say whatever not your, not your brother and you know he's the son of a demon or some and i was like i thought he was with me i'm like you're with me and he wasn't with me and i did tell jensen i think jensen already knew but that was the one they kept that was the one probably because i wasn't around and jensen wasn't around
0: Um, i think the
4: first time you came in you're like your erection is showing and then And I think like the the, the final time, you're like you're, your brother you're gonna have to kill your brother. That's
5: what yeah it was, it was
4: something like that. You have
5: to kill uh,
3: your brother. Or right. yeah. He's not your brother. You have to kill. Him. So it was something. Wow. It was something that we were all like, whoa. Because I remember I want to say Entertainment Tonight was there. Yeah, uh, doing interviews that day, and we had just found out, or I had just found out, you and me had just found out this information too, and I was itching to spill it i was because i was just kind of revolutionary right. fucking this
4: information um, jeff's got jeff's got less of a filter than uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> i was excited it, it, it I, 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 I appreciate it greatly
2: <laughs> i gotta say you saying that jeff has no filter that's a statement you know wow. what i mean it's not like you're johnny filter <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's actually his, his birth name
2: i hope you're enjoying the episode but we need to pull over for a quick second for some messages
0: You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks
5: you. Join the journey to
0: save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants,
5: and enchantments that will help you both in that reality. And yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives.
0: There
2: are
5: ordeals ahead, yet with guidance you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with No attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities
0: beyond yours.
5: Anomaly. It's a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, Offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit seekanomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y.
0: Seek Anomaly. Here, it's magic.
2: Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode.
1: Let's just back up just a second, Jeff, because uh, we Let's have you it. here. Um, what, what, like, how would you describe John Winchester?
3: It's funny, because in watching this, I haven't thought about it him a lot lately you know it's been Uh sure very long time but there's always been i always thought that john wasn't this horrible father um yeah could he have done better sure he he, as i think i could as a father most people would say i probably could have done something better um you know if you're out fighting demons you're probably not going to be the a plus father but i think that he always had his son's he put his sons first in my mind, the way I played him, his sons, he always put first and would have done anything and did ultimately sacrifice himself. And then, and then I come back and I start doing conventions, you know, six years later and I found out John's just a dirt bag. And that came as <laughs> a little bit of a
4: shock to me. <laughs> I, agree with, I agree with you, Jeff. I, I always thought that John was just a, he was a, a, a tough Rough around the edges, a hard love kind of dad. yeah, but at the at the core of it all was he would do anything and sacrifice himself to save his family and to and to and to save the ones he loves. I yeah.
3: thought so too. And I always kind of thought that Dean was his favorite too. but there's that scene at the end yeah. of one where the demon comes, and the demon says, John doesn't even love you. Sammy's his favorite, and, right. and I don't remember that at all either. So watching this recently was kind of interesting to me. But I, I, I think that ultimately he put his sons first and was going to sacrifice his life. And then he proved it again when he comes back in that uh, that other episode we were just discussing, where John makes another appearance, where he crawls out of the depths of hell to you know mm-hmm. save again to, to save his sons
2: once yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's there's some judgment going on about John when they talk about, you know, sort of the, the surface things, he lives, leaves the kids in a hotel, you know, that life. But if you, if you peel that back and you realize like, he's a, he's a man driven by terrible circumstance. Extraordinary
3: lifestyle. Right. I mean, if, if this was a a thing, you know, fighting demons and um, I think, the best thing you could do is probably leave your kids at the motel alone for a few days. You know, uh, right. what's so you don't
4: want to you don't want to bring them into
3: you can't take them into with the you. <laughs> right. Just trying
1: to protect them. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, and I think, I think also he trusted his kids in particular, Dean a lot with the raising of Sammy. Um, I think he, I think he put unfairly a lot on Dean as the older brother. And I've always thought that, um, but I also think that it was all out of love. And I think there was a lot of trust in that relationship. And yeah, there was this. Um, and especially with Sammy, we saw it in this last couple episodes, we saw it again in the very last episode. Almost the last scene I have with, it is the last scene I have with Jared pretty much before the coffee cup, is us fighting. Um yeah. And Jensen, kind of between us, you know, tennis balling, going, you know, stop it, you guys. Um, which was sort of a theme throughout that first season when the three of them were together.
4: Yeah, I also feel like there, the there's just a difference in in time, a generational thing. You know, sure. I, I I I think where a lot of us remember growing up as a kid being left to our own devices at a very very young age. I mean, Latchkey generation kind of a thing where. You could leave your kids at a motel and go off and take care of business, and yeah. and that's just the, that's how we grew up. Yeah. I think that, that I think the idea of that is is landing on
2: a different generation right now sure. and maybe rubbing them the wrong way, going like, how would how could you do that? And, Agreed. I guess that's, that's kind of that's a better way of saying what I was saying. I think it's like they're looking through the lens of now of now, and, 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 and that doesn't it really work. Now. And You yeah. wouldn't have heard that now. I don't think you that
3: you think could that do that. It wasn't seatbelts, much less. Right. Trials, you know what exactly. I mean? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. So uh, I think
4: I think times are different. And so when you look at, I think that the John Winchester of like right of, of this episode and of the current, when I guess we're talking about, you know, when he when he's with his boys and when we see supernatural, but what John the John that gets the bad rap is the John that gets reflected upon when the boys were young. That's really, I think that's the John that gets the bad rap. And I think it's largely because times were different and there were a lot of dads that were like that, you know, I, I I spent a lot of time time where my parents had no idea where I was when I was at a very young age and that just doesn't happen now.
1: Yeah, Totally. Like like Jeff said too like we weren't even buckling getting but getting buckled no, into the car. Oh no, no, just
4: rolling around the back seat, you know. Yeah,
1: exactly. I spent a lot of my time in the back of the station family station wagon. Based on the other way. Exactly. Well, and,
3: and
4: also understand understand the three of them.
3: This this life that they had uh losing their mother. Um Dean certainly remembers that he saw his mom on the ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so there is some stuff here that it goes much beyond even kind of basic stuff. These kids grew up in an extraordinary ways, so i I think leaving them in the hotel room is something that Dean certainly at the age of eleven understood, though we did do a flashback episode in that first season where I'm yelling at an eleven year old Dean
1: right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh and yeah.
3: and leaving him in a hotel room, yeah, um. And that was kind of the first time I'd ever remember feeling, oh, John, you're f***ing up. Yeah.
1: But <laughs> <Okay>, that's, <laughs> right.
4: you know, that's, yeah. that, you know that, that's the glorious thing about these characters is they are flawed. Yeah. They are flawed, but they, it's, it's I, I said this recently, I love characters that do the right thing and sometimes they do it the wrong way. Right. And I th- right. I think I think <laughs> John always thought he was doing the right thing. And sometimes maybe he he got there the wrong way, but he still he was still doing it for the right reasons.
2: So, so you know, I think Kripke has done such a good job of writing that father character mm-hmm. for a man who at the time didn't have kids and you know wasn't a nineteen seventies father. There's a moment in the episode we all just watched where where Jeff you say to Jensen hey you I used to come home stressed and you'd pat me on the shoulder and go that's okay dad. and it's a beautiful moment and then you go to this next level and you say I'm sorry I made you do that I'm sorry you had to do that I should have been doing that for you and I got to tell you I thought that was a beautiful moment like that was that takes a level of of understanding parenting I agree. and reflexive parenting that I thought was a, a way beyond Aaron's Yeah, he was right in that his station. early 30s
4: before
3: he, I know before yeah, he was yeah. a
2: yeah, I mean that's, a, that's that I mean, that went, speaks it, it, from an experience that he hasn't had,
3: you know. All based in kind of the Star Wars meta universe too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what he always said to us then, um, and none of us were fathers, and now most of us are.
2: You know what I mean? So, us well, Are all right. of us are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was just a very that was a very astute moment, and and I think you know that's one of the things I think Supernatural does incredibly well. So Rob and I are basically watching the show for the first time, and for all of the flash of monsters and fights and things that are, are sort of the agro alpha moments of the show, it does sensitive male incredibly well. Mm. And it does it through a 1970s and eighties lens, not a 1990s, 2000, 2020 lens. It is when it's harder to say, I'm sorry. It's when it's harder and less awkward and less natural to own up to one's shortcomings. It's just Really well. And especially, well especially at that time, were
3: completely screwed up and not in touch with their feelings and or hid them very well. Um, And I think this first season, you see three pretty grown men um, sharing their feelings it, through the worst of it all. Um Sometimes it came out, maybe not the best way uh and that can go for e- either three of the main characters that we're talking about but but they did try to communicate they never ran from their shit, you know what i mean yeah. they never closed the door on their issues and they faced them and and, and it got ugly but they did and and that's yeah. also rare for that time period yeah I, I never had conversations with my father back in those days about anything no right
1: no, no. no. still
3: and i know he never talked to his father
1: about
2: yeah anything, ever yeah, exactly.
1: Jeff, when we're as Rich said, we're watching it from the beginning, and you know we weren't even aware how much you were in. I knew you were in it. I knew at some point <laughs> you stopped being in it. Yeah. But th- there was a point at the end of season one where I was like, "This is going to be the show for a bit." It's these three, like these three superheroes, the two superheroes and their superhero dad. Like I was like, "Oh, this is the show," and then boom, you're gone. Yeah. Did you did you know? Yeah. Did you know? Oh, this is just going to be a few episodes, and then I'm out.
3: I. I I mean, I was surprised they brought me back after the pilot. And then when they did bring me back, um, <clears throat> was the first episode? I, I think the second one I did was Shadow, which was one of my favorite episodes. Um, and, and, then they, and then they approached me towards the end of filming and wanted me to become a regular for a year or two. They, they offered me a, a, a okay. contract. Um, but I, I, I had a job. I was, I, I, I would, I was Gra- doing a movie. Grey's there. Anatomy? i was doing Grace anatomy while i was doing the first year of supernatural i think i was going to ireland to do ps i love you and i okay. said yes to it and i was going to be gone for like six months or something um and then i went right into watchman wow so, yeah. um but i remember when they had asked initially that was i was sort of kicking myself because i kind of knew i mean the first year you don't know you don't know what you're kind of sure into i knew i knew i loved jensen and jared and and the crew was super cool um i knew the premise of the show was cool I'd seen like only three episodes because I really, it just, my my career went from no career to you're going to work every day. And and I just never had time to do much. Um, and then I caught up with it all and I was like, it's a really good show. And I wanted to do it. I really wanted to do it. And I wanted to find a way to get
4: back and And I
3: just, you know, at that point I was sort of
4: dead. It was just- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, they, but they still found ways of, of, of bringing it back and, or, or at least, alluding to i mean john was never gone yeah like, right. he was always a part of the story you know yeah i mean they
3: brought me in a couple of times to do like a voiceover thing or right yeah
4: the character was was such a such a huge hit and mythical such such a pivotal uh Element to, to the to the whole story that you know he was he was always referenced he was always talking. I wonder about how it. different the show would have been had John lived for
3: another year or two. I uh, wonder, I, you know, because it would. I think it would have changed sort of the dynamic um, of these two. I, I still call them my boys. It would have changed their dynamic. I think uh, moving forward, and, and I, I don't know how anyone would feel about that
4: having watched it for <laughs> twenty years.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> It would yeah, We
4: just had sixteen seasons instead hey. of two.
2: <laughs> How was it uh, for you? Know the three of you, you connecting? Like, was it? Did you guys get along? You seem like guys who would get along easily. But did was that the way it was out of the gate? Yeah, yeah.
4: I, I mean, don't think there was any. It, we everybody kind of fell right. I mean, this is the thing when when you know Jeff did the the pilot. There was there was every intention of um, of bringing the dad. Bringing John back into series at a later date, but there was heavy talk of—I uh, mean, it was, it was only only talk of recasting an older actor. Wow! Um, oh, and I remember—I think I say I heard Bruce Campbell. At Bruce some... Campbell. I think they were really getting really? yeah. Bruce Campbell, which was like Kripke's big, like, oh my gosh, yeah, Kripke really uh, wanted them. Yeah, and for some reason that didn't that didn't pan out, and I think they kind of. They kind of licked their wounds and said, "Okay, well, who who else would make sense?" And I don't know whose i whose brilliant idea it was just to kind of let Jeff get Jeff super cheap. <laughs> get,
0: get
4: <rid> <laughs> have him grow a beard, have maybe maybe gray him up a bit, make him look a little more disheveled, and let him play because Jeff's only what 10, 11 years older than I am yeah, in my life. Well, it, right. it, so, it
3: probably honestly helped the grazing enemy. It just my character had just hit and kind of yeah. taken off too. Yeah. And so it was sort of like a perfect storm. And then you know, CW and the powers that be were like, him, bring him back. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, yeah. I'm not sure how many episodes I ever thought I would would do but when i got there i think we i think we got along so well we there was this sort of uh chemistry between the three of us i remember i remember remember the outtakes and the laughter more than anything but i i i i do know that that translated on the screen as well and i think when kripke saw that he started writing more for the three of us as well Um, right which kind of culminated into what we what we just watched. (laughs)
1: Well, it was obviously really, you know, uh, uh, important for all of you as people too, because you know you die at the beginning of season two, but your your relationship lasted, your bond was important and and lasted, and you're t- to the point where you you have matching tattoos, you know, well, and weird. <laughs> you know we have, we now have more. <laughs> yeah, we got
3: enough of The other guys like two weekends ago. Oh, you did it that
1: other <laughs> wedding? What of? What's it of?
4: Uh, we got little chevrons on our thumb. Oh, we got little chevrons on our thumb.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
4: <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you can't let us hang out in Oklahoma no, just, for
3: more than a few hours on our
1: own. Well, I've, that, got, I've got Rich's face on my lower back. but um, yeah, yeah,
2: but you had that before you guys knew each other. That's which before you yeah, before <laughs> yeah. he met me. That was made for an awkward first uh, first encounter. I can't help but Every time I see chevrons like that, I always think of Bruno Kirby going, do you know what three up, three down mean? and Robin Williams going the end of an inning <laughs> like from uh, good morning vietnam <laughs> he's like look oh, at these funny. stripes you know what three yeah. up three down mean <laughs> the end of an inning the end of an yeah, inning it's funny <laughs> um the uh so the famously from our conversations with the visual effects uh guru Ivan Hayden Ooh. there was a uh, a moment that we had that we haven't gotten to yet so we're leaping forward in your in your journey, um, but that you shot a fight sequence, Jeff, where you weren't actually there. Like they shot your part of a fight sequence and then went back and shot the rest of the fight sequence later. Is it, am I saying that right, Rob? Like it, that's what we let, were told. Yeah. Because when I shot, when I was doing my my bit, was fairly uh, shoot
4: my side of it. Yeah,
2: yeah, maybe. I, yeah. I think that's what it was because I have yeah, made yeah, a yeah. big because when I was, was a very my, big conversation piece yeah. about he had to design your part of that fight. Cause it's visual effect heavy without you there and then do your thing separately. And the marriage of it was a little bit more challenging again, visual effects being what they were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, years ago. I mean, I don't remember. I was there and I know I was there with Jensen and
3: Jared, uh, Fred lane. They were all there. Uh, it was a cemetery set, I believe on, yeah, stage. on stage. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I remember it very well. Um, but maybe I only could give them a day or something. Uh, I think it, it was
4: piece. I think you. Did, I think they did piece you in. Yeah. Uh, to did the sh- you, you guys. I, yeah. Shot, yeah. Because I, I. I'll never forget that scene with Fred. He throws me against a tombstone, and they had they had uh, <laughs> very very nicely soft like put a soft pad on the tombstone. Huh. But the base of the tombstone was still concrete. <laughs> right. And so I fell back. And my right elbow went back and hit the corner of the tombstone oh. directly on my ulnary nerve, which is your funny bone. Ow. And it is literally to this day still like largely more sensitive than my, my. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I hit it and it was on Fred's coverage, and he was coming in hot. And I hit it and it was, it's my like it's from hot. my shoulder down to my fingertips, my whole arm went completely numb. In like this weird way of like pain and fire. And it was, I mean, imagine just taking a bulking hammer to your to your funny bone. That's what it was. <laughs> did you well, get there in my whole up. Oh,
3: it was his coverage,
4: right? It so was his coverage, my up, whole right side just going numb. And I was like, don't mess this up for him. Because <laughs> he's coming in hot. <laughs> he's coming in hot. <laughs> yeah. And I did. I just suffered through the take with like just grimacing, just going like,
3: yeah,
2: oh, yeah. I can imagine a lot of hammers hitting that bone, but a ball pain, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's some kind of strike. That's my least favorite hammer to get hit that's, with. A, of it all is. the hammers. <laughs> not was it the ball it. or the <laughs> pain great. side?
1: Was, was Fred a good guy? Great. A guy
3: to work I with? only had a couple scenes with him, and I loved him. I thought he was great. I, I think my big scene with him was the last episode of one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved him because he studied what I did in that one scene when I turned into the demon. He studied it so much that he could re- replicate almost every oh, wow. kind of vocal thing I was doing. And all I was doing was kind of copying Jack Nicholson from The Shining. That's, only wow. what, I, that's what I remember kind of
1: wow.
3: ultimately that's landing awesome. on with Kim Manners at the uh, Sutton Bar. Huh. And they're talking to him about where
2: all good the, decisions are made. That's, that's right. Sut- uh, that's exactly
1: right. For our um, listeners, the Sutton is the hotel they put us up in in Vancouver.
3: Oh, my God. It, 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 that was Hollywood North. Um, it really was. You know, it, you yeah, know, you you people run get, into it's
1: actors.
4: It's like a dormitory. Like you
3: come it
1: home and
4: sat at two in the morning and it's you, it's like who what other actors are you going to get in the elevator with? We right. spent uh, we spent many a night there, Jensen. That first year, we did. I mean,
3: I think every night there. As yeah, far we as we, we, we probably closed that place down more than we should have. And and um, and by the way, Kim was with us, and he was oh, directing the episode the next morning. Yeah, he was oh, yeah. there every night with us, which was super yeah. He, cool.
4: I'll never forget across like we're sitting in a corner, like the furthest table away from the bar. And he stands up, he stands up on the, we're sitting in like a booth and he stands up on the seat and he yells at the bartender and he says, hey, Brian, and he points to his empty pint glass of vodka and he says, there's a hole in my fucking cup. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love And
4: that. that was just his very nice way of asking for another round. Very so, subtle. And Very he understated. It. And he got it. And his wife was always with him too. And she was, oh, Marlene awesome. was, yeah, yeah she, had, you know, you. she had a white, a white wine uh, goblet. Yeah. And he, she, <laughs> they were living <laughs> there, right? Yeah. What's that? They lived at the Sutton. They lived
3: there. Yeah, that was, that was their living room. They did. So she would. we'd go there right after work, and she would meet us there.
2: Um, yeah. We talked about him doing, uh, early on, we talked about Kim Manners with, like, Phil Segrecia and Bob Singer. And, like, he was living in the Sutton when that was the one high-rise in Vancouver. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he started with, like, Files Carter days. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. was there with
4: X-File. He was there before X-File. He was there doing 21 Jump Street with Depp. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's, that's how, that's how long Kim Manners was like ingrained in that, in that hotel.
2: And was show. such a great, great that film culture, yeah. yeah. Jeff, you, you, you've said something earlier about, you know, that your, your perception of the character of John and how you played him and how you embraced him as an actor. And then that's, you know, that's your performance. That's your choice. Th- those are the choices you made that got saved to film. Then years later, you said you go to a, go to conventions and, Fans are kind of picking them apart as being, oh, yeah, not that yeah, I was shocked. So I was like, yo, hate John Winchester. What did he do? Yeah. Well, were you here's my question because you're the guy who laid the groundwork. I mean, really, it's your character, it's your painting you painted. Did, did you ever get find yourself getting defensive every time? Every single
3: time. Yeah. I was like, that's not how I played him. I don't have control over what happened five years later uh, uh, in a story that someone, you know, I don't know what character told to Jensen about when he was seven um, or Dean, but how I played him is, is how... I mean, I remember the discussions that I had with whether it be, uh, you know, Bob Singer or Kim Manners or Eric Kripke, and it was always coming from a place of love. Was it screwed up? Was he a screwed up person? Yeah, but he had been through so much emotional turmoil. Um, I mean, you can take away the demons and his wife getting killed and all that. Just going to Vietnam, he was probably f***ed up. So, you know, take everything else out of it. Everybody, I know that, Served in Vietnam has some issues, um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't have uh, hated him for having issues just because of that. But let's add some you know that his wife got taken by this demon and in front of his children, and now he's raising these two kids on his own. You know I- anything that I think that any issues that I ever thought that he had, I thought were I could justify them. And it always was coming from a place of "I will keep my children safe, and if I have to, I will die for my children." Always, and so I was very surprised at the uh, when I first found out that that really, like, you know, seventy-five percent of the fan base was like, "Oh no, John, you suck!"
2: Wow, I, still, I, well, I don't think I doubt they were saying that. I mean, I yeah, think they were. No, I,
3: they're I, defensive I, of the boys. They, they, they can get it. It. It, it. Yes, yeah, it was. Probably it was so of that.
4: Players. Yeah, yeah and and i, and yeah, I and, you know categories. i've actually had conversation with 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 fans about this and i'm like look you know uh john wick killed 300,000 people because somebody touched his dog Uh, and nobody batted an eye (laughs) this guy lost his wife on a in a fiery you know puppy though if it was like a 15 year old dog nothing yeah right and and, i'm like and i'm like you know this guy went on he he went to set things right in his in his way and this was i i feel like i know a lot of people that that would get that would get set on a path like this sure i feel like this is a a relatable thing and it's like does that make you a bad father in in wanting to uh, a right the wrongs of uh, that that were done to your family and b save people in the process and and expose your sons and give them uh, an education that you know listen you're going to have to carry the torch and it's not a torch I want to hand you but it's a torch I'm going to have to now but that's yeah. right you know, I think I think there's
2: hand. a real defensive mechanism here because for all the fans that might turn to you, Jeff, and say your character was A, B, and C. But for the fact that John does what he does, Dean isn't Dean. That's true. right. Sam isn't Sam. You There's no I mean?
3: Supernatural TV show.
2: Right. Bingo. I mean, because like, they don't have, you know, because Dean's character is a is a throwback to old masculinity, right? Like oh. that's kind of Dean's whole profile. Yeah. yeah and, the, and he learns that from the from the feet of the master, you know, yeah. the 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 father, the emotionally distant father, yeah, he hands
3: down he hands down his car, his musical taste, and uh his intuition, I think all to Jensen. Um right. <laughs> right. And Dean. And Dean gets all those, those are the best qualities that John has. By right. Him. It's like listen, son, I don't have much, but
4: what I have is quality
2: and you're gonna it's enjoy quality. it. Quality
4: It's Yours. really good stuff.
2: But it does make the it does make the the fan argument kind of moot, if you think about it. I mean, you know what I mean? Because yeah. if you You got to have Dean be Dean to make Dean survive certain scenarios. And without John, you don't have you don't have either, right? Yes,
3: but but you you guys know how passionate this fan base is, and uh, mute is never going to happen. No, no, no,
2: no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and nor should it nor should yeah. it. no no and, and and you know look I, I don't
3: mind i actually enjoy going to convention and getting into a little tit for tat with um with some people in in an audience that's okay um but i see social media still and i still the john winchester is not a liked person and and i i often i mean because i haven't seen all twenty years, I just haven't. I mean, that's a it's lot insane. of yeah. yeah, it's and someday I will. I will I'll sit down with my son and I will watch every episode. Um so I really don't know everything that John is guilty of. Um i I can only speak for that first year and change um sure kind of what I knew going in and yeah and then also and I'll come back and do the podcast when you guys get to episode 300
1: all right yeah I mean that was great that that
3: that, that helped explain stuff too by the way because when I came back there was stuff scripted and I won't we won't talk about it now but it helped me kind of make sense of what the fans had seen
1: sure yeah for the last
4: 15 years that
3: I hadn't been around is
1: there that's right Sam is there playing Mary and yeah yeah, um, Look, that must
4: I got to. I, I, I want to say something real quick while we're on this topic. And that is that that, you know, Jeff just said that he's like, I haven't watched all the all the, the episodes. I haven't seen all of it. So I don't know where Jan, where John landed in a lot of that uh, that that throwback, those throwback references. I did. I was there. I, I was a part of every episode. I read every script. Uh, and not only did I that I consciously played Dean as a character who idolized his father, loved his father. And, uh, you know, not without fault. Obviously, I think every son is like, you know, dad Dad didn't get it right here. Dad didn't get it right there. But ultimately, Dean loved his father because Dean felt love from his father. I've been asked, what other character on Supernatural would you want to play other than the character that you play? And I generally always say John Winchester because I think it is a character that is highly redeemable. I think it is a character that is highly complex. And I don't think we got to really flesh out the 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 nuance of that character in my mind i have and in my mind i have john in in a set in a way that that i think is a incredibly redeemable and and uh nuanced character that that is very similar to dean i mean look there was a reason why i tried to like lower my register of voice throughout the course of the show and it was to emulate your deep voice and and it was because i was playing dean Uh, uh, I I was playing Dean in a way that I was feeling myself, which was I love Jeff and I love what Jeff did with this character. And I'm going to, that's, that's my true North. That's where I'm headed. And so, yeah, so I, for, for everybody that, that has issues with John, I, I definitely take, uh, I, I take a defense to it too. Man, you're going to, the internet's going to
2: f- explode. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Bring,
4: it on. Bring it on.
1: People are just going to be like, no, he didn't say
0: that. Well, that's good. Cause the internet's usually just a calm <laughs> and, and place.
2: Switch
1: <laughs> up somehow, up. somehow, they're going to end up being mad at me and Rich. <laughs> That's, true.
4: That's true. Listen, guys, if you're wondering, uh, we've gotten paid to say everything. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is
3: all thanks, We got what three weeks ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Jensen, uh, well, we're gonna let you guys go, but um, now you've got the Winchesters, the prequel. Um, where you get to tell more of John's story, which is interesting, right? We get to see young John meeting Mary. Um Is there a world where somehow Jeff appears on that show? I mean, it would be... Some sort of fat flash forward, but
4: I mean, look in my mind. Uh, we all know that what happened with the Spider-Man recently. Uh, that's that's my that that's what I would like to see at some point.
1: Right. All, the, all, all the all the John.
4: John's, all the John's, <laughs> Matt Cohen, you know, Jeff, okay. and uh, I, I, you know, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write that kind of stuff, but I have I I certainly have planted that seed. So we'll see what happens.
2: I have a question for you, just to circle back, uh, Jensen, before we part ways. I. Everything you just said earlier about Dean's relationship with Dad, yeah, and then Dad dies, yeah. The obvious answer is no. No son wants to, you know. Sons don't become men until their dad dies. So maybe sons don't ever really want to be men, subconsciously, deep down inside. Hmm. Um yeah, well, if you're an actor, probably that's the case. So uh, my question is, it's what it's do you just think? Just a Dean's... bunch of Peter Pans here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> What, somebody bringing you your lunch in a trailer. I mean, it's just not a, it's not uh not a lot of calluses on the mitts, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but for you, you as Dean, was that, as you got that script and you knew that was going to happen, what was Dean's thought process there? Was there any, um, obviously pain and sorrow for loss of dad, but was there any, now I get to take the mantle, like was there a sort of natural ascension to that position that he was yearning for at all
4: no and if you if you as as you'll see uh as you get into season two um dean kind of loses his motivation dean kind of what he's like i want to hang it up like dad's gone what's the point now like i've, I've lost i've lost my sensei you know I've, I've i've lost i've lost my direction i don't know what to do anymore um you know my my, my go-to uh captain's gone and uh and so which was a really interesting thing that, that uh, Kripke did, you know, in season one, Dean is very much the catalyst. Sam is like, I'm out. I'm done. Dean goes back to college. He's like, I need you, pal. You got to help me. We got to do this. We got to find dad. We get to season two, dad go, dad dies. And Dean's like, I'm out. Like I don't want to do. And now Sam is like, no, no buck up. We got to do this.
2: We got to go. We got to figure this out. We got to carry the torch. Interesting. Yeah. It's such a well-crafted trio of characters. This father-son, you know, complex. It's just Eric Kripke from the very get-go built a really, really, really complicated machine but man you guys just crush it in those roles in those yeah. relationships it's really good and that's just not me on a podcast sucking up to you it's just goddamn good TV guys you really like <laughs> you're, I, you're,
3: I, I tell you I really enjoyed watching that episode yeah. Yeah, the the two the two uh, yeah led right up to it too really good
1: yeah you talked about going back and maybe watching with your kids someday like that yeah. you know rich and I are watching it for the first time now from the beginning and you know I told Jensen this like you're going oh this is a really good show <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah
2: it's like oh wow this baby's got legs it's gonna stick around for a while hold
3: up forever i mean when will it not hold up always will yeah
2: Yeah.
1: um yeah well you guys are awesome you're both on vacation with your families really appreciate you coming on and talking to us it's uh it's epic to have you both here and uh love you like brothers and just happy to, to talk to you about the show
4: hey there's jensen i hope you're enjoying the episode but we need to pull over for a second for some messages Hey there, thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode.
2: Man, that was great. To quote producer Steve Hine, that was such a fucking great interview.
1: It was, and um, hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a new mobile game, and it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a PVP player versus player mode such as Alliance war or real time arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six year anniversary. So you know what that means? Free stuff, free stuff, just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week, You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user, so please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode you know, the whole time I kept thinking, this is gold. This is so gold. Now I have, to, I have to ask you a question though, Rich. Yeah. maybe it's a spoiler alert, but when he said that he whispered in, in Dean's ear that, that Sam wasn't really his brother, is that, is that something?
2: I think that is, yeah, that was the, that I think what Freddie Lane was saying, the yellow eyed demon, when he's like, you know, but you've never told him you're lying to him this whole time. Right. It's that Sam and all of these other people who have these uh, skills like Gabriel yeah. Tigerman's character and all that. Yeah. They're all children of demons.
1: So Sam's not really Dean's brother.
2: I think Sam Smith, his half brother. I think, I think uh, Sam Smith had an affair with a demon.
1: Sam Smith,
2: Mary Winchester
1: had an affair with a demon. Yeah. Why am I just now knowing this?
2: Well, I'm not sure I'm right, but that's what I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm learning as we go, but that's what I think. That's what I think it is, is that I think Mary Winchester, who, by the way, we're seeing her in her, docile married days, but she had a little stank on her in her youth. I'm sure she partied I know,
1: bit. but are you making shit up now, or no, is this real? No,
2: that's what Freddie Lane, remember he says in that scene, that standoff scene, he goes, you know something, and you've yes, been told. Yes, yes, totally. I think that's what he, what he, was, what he was saying, is like, well, you know that, that Sam isn't your son, that he's actually a demon, in the same way that Christ wasn't Joseph's son. You know, like, it was like, there's this biblical thing there. I think that's what it is.
1: I, I get all that. It's just that I... I mean, I've told people for years this is a show about two brothers. I should have been saying this show about two half brothers. Is what you're telling me?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. You've been lying to you, a lot of people.
1: Well, I, I, I. That's a, this is huge.
2: Well, is keep in mind, don't don't go writing your apology letter yet. We don't know. I only know as much about the show as you do. So,
1: well, somebody knows, and they're going to be writing us a stern letter. Damn it! Uh, but at any rate, just let Richard and I find find out on our own time, and and. uh Right now, meanwhile we,
2: back to back to the review of that review that was a great review those guys are it's awesome to watch them connect on things that happened fifteen years ago. It's like it happened yesterday you know yeah
1: yeah and you know I I you know then this is we can't say this enough we say it at conventions but you know the impact that this show has had on the fans of the show is significant but the impact that the show has had on us in the show is is significant you know it's it's it's, it's oh, not yeah. just another job it's uh It's supernatural. Indeed. All right,
2: Robbie, it's time to get to the segment that you and I both like to call mythology. Mythology, mythology.
1: Um, Out-of-body experiences are sometimes referred to as astral projection or spirit walking. I didn't know that. You didn't?
2: No. I didn't know astral projection was... Really,
1: I've got a book called Astral Projection that's all about out-of-body experiences. Oh, there you go. But spirit walking is what you... I've seen you (laughs) when you do your spirit walking...
2: You mean when I walked out of the store to get my American spirits? <laughs> Grab a pack of smokes just to take the edge off. <laughs> what does my
1: spirit walking look like? I was thinking more when you're you're mad at me and you just have, need to go
2: take, take a walk.
1: You've I got need a lot of I need
2: I 5 minutes to clear my head.
1: Yeah. The term out-of-body experience was introduced in 1943 in the book Apparitions.
2: Oh, that's interesting. You never think about a phrase like that that's so common being introduced. Yeah, that's wild. According to surveys, about 10% of the population reports having an out-of-body experience. Wow. Are you part of that 10%?
1: I'm not. Are you? No. No, it's a shocker.
2: Yeah, right. (laughs) You couldn't be less shocked. um and did you know well you probably know this i don't have to tell you that a 2014 study tried to explore this whole concept by looking at cognitive awareness in 101 people who had survived cardiac arrest wow they were going to stop at 100 but then they thought you know it worked for the dalmatians to go 101 (laughs) let's go all the way to 101. we've
1: come all the way to 100 let's just do one we can find one more person what did the authors find rich
2: Well, the authors found that about 13% of the participants felt a separation from their body during resuscitation, but only 7% reported an awareness of events they wouldn't have seen from their actual perspective. Huh. That's the out-of-body part. I see. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, common reports of -of out-of-body experiences are reported because of near-death experiences, childbirth, strong G-forces. Huh. G. Sensory deprivation or
2: overload, brain injuries. Or Rob's specialty. Drugs. (laughs) <laughs> you know there is no scientific evidence that a person's consciousness can travel outside their body there just simply is no scientific evidence sorry
1: no so what we're saying is no no it doesn't although really that's
2: happen. science but what does science know? you know what i mean science True. can't measure the heart so in many ways listen to science but in many other ways f you science
1: good well said richard thank you uh now it's time for fun
2: facts. Oh fun facts are so fun.
1: At <laughs> around 19 minutes in, you can hear Dr. Kripke being paged to room 237 for a code blue. 237 is a reference to the shining. Uh this isn't the first time the show has used room two thirty-seven reference. And of course, Dr. Kripke is for Eric Kripke, the creator of the show.
2: All right. When I was in uh high school, we used to say we if we if we had to go use the the restroom num- go number two. Uh, uh-huh. We didn't want to say it. We'd say we had a code brown.
1: Is that true? Yeah. I thought you were going to say, instead you'd say you had to go
2: 237. No. Yeah. Oh. Are you doing number one, number two, or number 237? Yeah.
1: Um, even if I have to go number two, I always lie and say I'm going number one.
2: You are the fastest pooper I've ever seen, so no one will ever know.
1: That's true. Even today on set, I had to go, we'd say ten one, right? And I said I have to go ten one, but I didn't. I went ten two. But it was a quick 10 too, so no one You barely
2: break stride, man. It's like you just, it's unbelievable.
1: Thank you, Rich. It's the nicest compliment you've ever given me.
2: Well, you're not not a man with a lot of skills, but what what skills you do have, you have in spades, and you do very well.
1: Our next fun fact is, (laughs) In My Time of Dying is also the title of a Led Zeppelin song, which I said already.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The doctor calls the time of John Winchester's death as 1041. But the time on the heart rate monitor says 9.06. This means one of two things. It took him a long time to die, or the doctor doesn't know how to tell time. That's weird. Yep. What
1: the hell? Well, 10.41, I can tell you this much. 10.41 is a reference to the Bible verse Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right
2: hand. Oh, my gosh. Nice. Wow. John's alias, Elroy McGillicuddy, is a reference to I Love Lucy. McGillicuddy is Lucy Ricardo's maiden name. Hmm.
1: Azazel dismisses Dean as not much of a threat. The irony is that Dean eventually kills him. I mean, this is another spoiler alert. I can't, I can't be having this.
2: If I hadn't said at the beginning of this show in the credits that there'd be spoiler alerts, I'd be so annoyed by that spoiler alert. You know totally. what I mean? Totally.
1: Yep. Same. Well, Rich, this has been great. It's just been, uh, it was awesome to have those guys on. And uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just so thrilled that we put it together and made it happen.
2: I'm so glad we did too. And thanks to those guys for, for squeezing us into their tight schedules. I do want to say one thing about this episode. There are some great shots. Kim Manners directed the daylights out of it. So well done. Another yeah. tip of the cap to his, his artistry. Really solid, guttural son of a bitch from Dean in this one. I know we're not doing son of a bitch count. Ah. But there's a really good son of a bitch. And I feel like we should be doing the son of a bitch count. because I think we're going to get more of them. I think it's going to be a thing. Great. And I just want to say right now, for all the greatness in this episode, let's not overlook the son of a bitch.
1: Great. I like that. And, you know, also just another tip of the tip of the cap to uh, Eric Kripke, who wrote this episode. And uh, it's just it's really well-written episode. I I love it. I wasn't expecting it to be what it was. And it was just so well done. So um, here we are. Off to the races. Season two. Dyingly See you at the next one Indeed indeed Here we go It's happening This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester
2: Guest stars include Jeffrey Dean Morgan as John Winchester Frederick Lane as Azazel Jim Beaver as Bobby Singer And Lindsay McKeon as Tessa
1: In My Time of Dying was written by Eric Kripke Directed by Kim
2: Manners Editing by David Ekstrom Music by Jay Greska Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast of this episode featured the following songs. Bad Moon Rising by Creedence Clearwater Revival and Stranglehold by Ted Nugent.
1: This episode originally aired on September 28th, 2006. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now is hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict.
2: Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Haida Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty?
1: Music provided by Tim Wynn.
2: The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios.
1: This podcast is from Story Mill Media.
2: Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And be sure to follow us and like us.
1: As Azel dismisses Dean as not much of a threat. The irony is that Dean eventually kills him. Well, Azazel? Spoiler Azazel, alert.
2: Azazel? Azazel. Azazel?
1: Azazel? Azazel? Sensory deprivation of overload, brain injuries, and brain Actually, in- I think it's actually
2: that, I think it's another type typo. It should be sensory deprivation of your overlord.
1: Dr. Kripke being paged to room 237 for a co- code blue. To room three, being paged to dr- oh, fucking hell. <laughs>
2: John's alias, Elroy McGillicuddy, is a reference to I Love Lucy McGillicuddy. Oh, sorry. It's John's alias is a period in it. <laughs> I just yeah, I realized that too late. Story Media.